podcast, Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. What's going on, Tri? How's it? It's going well. Uh, I think last episode, our first episode went, in my opinion, a little bit better than I thought it was going to go. Yeah. My, my experience with technology is kind of similar to my bump setting. You never really know where it's going to go. Sometimes it works. Some, sometimes your, your partner's a little pissed off. The, the defense never knows where it's going either. So <laughs> the blocker true. can't set up. We're, we're, smart. Fooling, we're fooling everybody. Yep. Um, so we, we have our first guest of the show. I guess you were technically a guest on your own show yeah, last week. So. Um, we have our first guest here. We have Mr. Ryan Darty. What's going on? What's happening, fellas? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. How is, how's your off-season going? Uh, off season's been great. Uh, getting a little downtime uh, for me. I've been doing a ton of reading, ton of a uh, little bit of traveling with the girlfriend. So uh, yeah, it's been really good. But uh, I'm excited to kind of get back out in the sand. Yeah. What uh, What do you like to read? What's What's on the shelf right now? Uh, I'm currently studying for a pretty rigorous financial test called the CFA Level One test, uh, and I'll be taking that December second. So it's you know six textbooks filled with all sorts of financial stuff, portfolio management, corporate finance financial reporting and accounting, uh, all sorts of stuff that you would not be interested in. Holy crap. All the fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, not too pleasant, but uh, it's, a, it's a really hard test, and that's kind of one of the reasons I like it is I want to see if I can pass a really hard test. Uh, so I'm about 320 hours of studying in before, uh, before I take the final plunge. How are, you, how are you logging these hours? Like, Do you like clock in when you start reading and then clock out? Almost exactly. Yeah, I've got a couple apps and I've got it down to a science by now. So it's, you know, 25 minutes on five minutes off, because if I try to do like two hours straight of reading, my, my brain just fries. So uh, I give myself a little five minute breather every 25 minutes that I'm on, log those in my little app based on which, you know, uh, section that I'm studying. And then I can go back and, you know, see, all right, you know, you've put a lot of hours into this, but not too many hours into this one, you need to start focusing a little bit more on that. And what, uh, I guess, how come you are taking it. What's the motivation? Is it just for a challenge or is there something bigger going on? Uh, you know, when, uh, when volleyball ends, uh, in 2048 for me, uh, <laughs> no, uh, at he some point play with John Hyden last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, he, he got me the, uh, the itch. So once I'm 55, I'm going to re- probably retire from beach volleyball. And at that point, like I would love to get into the world of finance. You know, I think, uh, uh, it's pretty much the hardest puzzle on the planet, just trying to figure out, uh, you know, what everyone else is doing. And it's, you know, a room full of the smartest people, you know, and I've always been really attracted to smart people. So I want to see if I can work at that really high level. And, uh, uh, this would probably be the first step towards it. It's a very, very long shot, but you know, I've made some long shots before. Now you're 320 hours in <laughs> no, 320 <laughs> hours closer to uh, that long shot. Yeah. And I, I feel like too, that you probably can play volleyball a little bit longer than most because you're so tall that like, is it a little bit lower impact? Uh, I would guess so. I mean, if I jumped as high as try, it would hurt like hell. You know, like uh, for me, I, I just kind of stay close to the grounds. I'm not super quick or agile. So, uh, you know, hopefully I could be lumbering around out there when I'm about 40, but uh, we'll see. And so what is the, the official number for how tall you are? I feel like we just got to get that one out of the way. Right. So I am seven foot and a half inch, I think, is the official, uh, if you did the, the, did the measurement. Yeah. I always I, don't know what to say, seven foot or seven. So I say seven one because it sounds cooler. Like exactly. It's past seven foot. That's 
way cooler, but yeah, it's uh, I've actually when I played baseball was in a magazine at seven four and they listed my weight at 165 pounds. So just imagine that seven four, 165 pound guy coming at you. That's that would pretty make me like Google pictures of you though. Like, I gotta see this guy. Oh my god, so we have uh, seven and a half. We'll round it up for seven foot. Try how tall are you? Six five and a half, maybe. And I'm I'm checking in around six four. So collectively, we have one of the taller podcasts that that I've ever seen. That's true. Unless like Luke Walton well, and Richard Jefferson for get three together. people, you know. Yeah, if they have four people on, then we're screwed. But we have a solid average. Yeah, we had to hit up Richard Jefferson for the statistics on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that, Freakonomics. <laughs> so you've been a professional volleyball player, I guess like full time it being your main source of income for what, five ish? Uh, I think about six. Yeah. Cause my first year where I played with Casey Patterson, which was in 2012. Uh, after, after that I quit my little side jobs and I haven't worked anything else since. Uh, so yeah, that would be a good full six seasons. Okay. And, and have you kind of figured out, like, I know a lot of players are always tinkering with their routines in the off season. Have you kind of found your system or are you still working with that? Uh, I'm still working. And I, and I think that it's going to be one of those things, like unless you're really dialed in, like, uh, like John Hyden is a great example. He's got his program incredibly dialed in. Uh, everybody else, they're going to tinker. They're going to have to adjust based off what you have to do. Uh, like I might, have, I might have a tournament as early as January, which means that you know a nice long off-season of weightlifting and recovery and stuff like that really isn't in the cards if you have to be ready to play the start of the new year. So uh, you kind of adjust, you you base it off of you know how you did last year and what, how you felt, but uh, a lot of it's just kind of a, taking your best guess as to as to what you should do going forward. Right, it's sort of like tapering with running or swimming. You really, it's just kind of guesswork a little bit. As someone who never runs or swims, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> And I, we, we just mentioned before we started recording that you and Billy might be going to The Hague in January. Right. January 3rd. First indoor, uh, first indoor tournament, right? Ever? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's ever, but I mean, an indoor event in uh, the Netherlands in the, winter. in the winter. Like, it should be pretty exciting. Uh, I know the guy that's running it is, uh, I think it's uh, Reindeer. Oh, really? Yeah. He's uh, he's a really good guy. Been a great volleyball player for uh, the Netherlands for many, many years. Beat so. me a few times. Yeah. Me, me as well. He, World he champs. Took, he took me down pretty hard. Damn. Uh, so, yeah. Good guy putting on a tournament. It's a four star. So, that should be exciting but uh you know definitely changes what your off-season plans are because now you've got you know six weeks less between that and the next tournament right and i know that last year when they had the the fort lauderdale grand slam in february that jake gibb he was pissed because then you you have this tournament that you have to sort of rush to get ready for and then you have another you know what three months off so I guess what are your thoughts on starting the 2018 season three days or however many days it is into 2018? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not wrong. You know, like it takes a, a while to kind of get yourself into prime shape. Uh, and it's a little naive to think that you can maintain that shape over the course of eight months. You know, if we do it for three months, if you plan out your lifting and your workouts and all that, you can be really sharp for that period of time. But, you know, at some point your body's going to start to fluctuate. So uh, you really have no options other than to just kind of make your best guess when you're playing in January, then you have six weeks off, then you play in late February, then you've got another six weeks off and then you start a whole nother season. You know, it's... Uh, it makes it a little bit more complex for a beach volleyball player, but uh, that's the life we live. It is. And now this will be your, your first tournament with your new partner. And I, I think that kind of partnerships in general might be the focus of today's conversation. So 
how did I guess walk us through the process of how you and Billy ended up landing together um, and how that's going so far. Right. So the beach volleyball partnerships, it's always fun because it's pretty much like a relationship. And as soon as somebody yeah. breaks up, there's tons of gossip going around. So uh, Johnny Hyden, he was the dumper in this situation. He broke up with me to play with Theo. Uh, just, you know, gave me a voicemail, uh, you know, all professional, like, you know, it was no hard feelings or anything like that. Uh, but that means that I have to kind of, you know, do the rounds and ask around with who's playing. I had some conversations with people, just kind of seeing what they were thinking over the next couple of years. I talked with Taylor Crabb, who plays with Jake Gibb. I talked with Casey Patterson and a couple other players. Uh, and then, you know, talking with Billy, you know, I think me and him really kind of click on uh, – on a kind of how we approach the game and uh, like our mentality, I guess, would be a good way to say it. So, uh, you know, it was like, ah, right, you know, I think we should give this a try. Let's get out and practice and see if we kind of uh, mesh well. And uh, so far, so good. I think we're, you know, three or four practices in the sand in. He's, uh, he's been a great guy, good, good partner for me, and I think, uh, I think we can do well this year. I think so. And as a seven foot and a half blocker, I feel like you, you couldn't have had any shortage of suitors calling for you to be a partner either. So were you just like overwhelmed with texts and messages and whatnot too? Uh, yeah. I'm sure some of which were uh, almost like spammy. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, you know, it's that's that's what you should be doing if you're if you're a beach volleyball player is you should try to ask players that are currently above you to play with you. You know, you want to be the worst guy on the court. That's that's right. how you improve. Uh, so there was a lot of you know younger defenders who just said, hey, like if if you want, I'd love to come out and practice and see what we can do. Uh, you know, I'm probably not in that spot where I can really take that shot with him, especially if I want to play on the international tour. Uh, we're coming off. I'm coming off a big win in Chicago at the AVP. So, uh, you know, I went with somebody who's a little bit more seasoned, uh, and that's just uh, the nature of the beast. But uh, yeah, the, those younger guys, like that's they were doing exactly what they should be doing, and uh, I wish a lot of them the best. And I'm I'm interested to know. So you've been you've kind of made a very fast ascent through all the tiers of volleyball. And so the tier that I'm at, at the, you know, kind of the, the qualifying tier, the partner switches is basically like two weeks before, say, San Francisco. It's like, hey, dude, are uh, you going to San Francisco? It's like, well, I might be able to get off work. I might not. I'll call you in a couple of days. I'll call you in a couple of days. You get like two practices in and you go. So you've probably been to that level. And then so I guess take us through the differences between how partners go about switching per level. Right. I mean, I think, I think once you get up to the top, it's a very different animal. Like right. you, like you're saying, uh, especially guys that aren't consistently making money at the game, they're doing it, you know, out of pocket, like, all right, let's see if I can afford the flight to get out to Chicago for the qualifier. Like it makes it much more difficult, uh, and much less consistent. And I think that's one of the things that really makes, you know, uh, a full season in the qualifier tough is, is that consistency, playing with the same person, understanding that the set's going to be in this plot, understanding this is where they're going to play defense. Like us guys that have played together for an entire year or more, like we know that stuff. We know where our partner's going to be. Uh, you guys that are grinding through the qualifier, it's a, it's a completely different animal, and I, and I don't envy you trying to pull it off like, by, any, by any means. Uh, I was pretty lucky when I first broke in. Uh, I played some uh, low level qualifiers and, and really didn't have much of a chance to qualify for an event, uh, when I was, when I first got out here. Uh, but I had a full off season, uh, of playing with Casey Patterson before 2012. And then he had enough points to where we could just go straight into the main draw. So I didn't have to spend a whole year working through the qualifier, then through the main draw, then, you know, trying to do well in tournaments. Uh, just, I mean, it's, it's really tough. Like if you qualify for an event your first match is 
Phil and Nick yeah. uh, after playing four Easy. the day before. It's practically a buy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dream draw. So you've you know you've got that, and then if you uh, lose that one, you know if the best team in the world happens to beat you after you played four <laughs> matches the day before, you then get you know probably the eight or the nine seed in the in the whole tournament in the next uh, round. Other than that, you got a thirteenth and you're going home. Like it's it's uh, it's no joke what the qualifiers go through, and those guys that do make it through and then come through the main draw and all of a sudden become staples in it. Like uh, a lot of us main draw guys, like have a tremendous amount of respect for all of that, for, for what they do to get there. Right. Now you guys both sort of made really big jumps with the same partner. Um, now you were excellent with John Mayer before you picked up Hayden, um, but try like Hayden kind of brought you along. So I guess what makes Hayden so good at making his partners better? Cause I feel like that's the chief, trait that you look for in a partner is who's going to make me better and it seems like he really did that with both you guys yeah I mean for me it was like right when I came out to the beach so anyone I went with was going to be better than me and I was looking for that ideal person to to teach me everything I wanted to know and then I just happened to pick up like one of the most experienced guys and also like one of the most like experienced and skilled guys so I mean first of all he was just he was just a really good volleyball player. So that got me winning early just on his skill alone. And then me just being open to learning everything kind of brought it on from there. But, I mean, John's just a really good volleyball player. I think that's kind of the big – everyone knows his experience and he can teach things here and there. But, like, he's just freaking good at it. <laughs> like, he can get it done. Every, every skill he can kind of get get it done in his own way. And you put that – intellect behind the skill set that he has because he's been siding out since the 90s like 96 (laughs) he is an olympian an outside hitter olympian in 1996 how old were you in 96 i was seven (laughs) (laughs) and he was at the top of the world of indoor volleyball at that point so he's been hitting volleyballs and like doing all these skills for so long it's just like it's like nothing to him yeah I mean, uh, you know, I'm seven feet tall, uh, and he's 44, 45 years old. And I saw way more serves this year than he did. And yeah. he just, you don't serve the guy. It's, uh, you know, a testament to him. But the one thing I always thought that really set Johnny Hyden apart was how efficient he was. Like he just tries to do things in the best way possible, as quickly as possible, either on the court or off the court. Yeah. I thought that was one of the things that he really uh, helped try turn a corner with is, you know, when he came out, super physical guy, but he was raw. He didn't really understand, like, what's the part of the games that are going to, you know, make or break you, like, that are going to win that game for you and, you know, give him an off season with Johnny Hyden and all of a sudden, like, everything he's doing is efficient and smart and the right thing to do at that time. Like, once you combine that with athleticism, then, uh, then Tri was a completely different player. Yeah. I feel like you have played with every different stereotype of volleyball partner there could possibly be, (laughs) right? So you have Casey Patterson, who's like the celebration guy. You have Lucena, who's fiery guy. Hayden is like that brilliant guy, but a little bit curmudgeon-y. And now you have Billy, who is, and John, don't want to forget John, just super quiet and efficient. And then Billy is sort of like right-handed John, almost. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, not to mention Todd Rogers, also and brilliant, Todd. brilliant, and curmudgeon-y. Yeah. So, uh, well, like first I, of all, what is curmudgeon-y for for me and those other few people who don't know what that word is? Sort of <laughs> like that older guy who's just kind of grumpy. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Perfect. But he just that's commands was, the respect of everyone. That's what I was yeah. picturing. Yeah. Yeah. Yelling at of, the kids to stay off his lawn. Uh, like yeah. That kind of. <laughs> totally, that's a curmudgeon. Totally Hayden and, and Raji. <laughs> 
So have you, I guess, have you found the, the balance that you're looking, like, have you identified the type of partner that makes you the best or do you just kind of adjust to whatever? I mean, you've got to be a little bit flexible because the thing is, is there, there's no such thing as a perfect partner in terms of how you guys are going to approach the game. Uh, so Casey Patterson, uh, Johnny Mayer, uh, very kind of supportive, upbeat, uh, like, all right, we can do this. Uh, Raji, Nick Lusena, a little bit of Haydn are more kind of, we'll get on your case a little bit if uh, things are not going your way. Uh, I tend to play, I think, a little bit better uh, when things are upbeat, when they're a little more kind of, uh, you know, I don't put as much pressure on myself when when somebody else is kind of uh, breathing down my throat. Uh, but, you know, there's there's times when that kind of kick in the pants is what takes you from where you're at to where you want to go. So uh, it's hard to say that there's one type of uh, personality that you play with better than others. Uh, but I'm re- I'm very much looking forward to playing with a very low key, very uh, supportive Billy Allen. Yeah, this is going to sure. be like the most supportive. Of- well, you can't really beat Johnny Mayer, but there's like the same Bill- Allen and Mayer. Right. Yeah, I, I swear. I, I whenever I see them together, it's it's literally like Billy is right-handed John and John is his left-handed Billy. It's <laughs> they're the same person. It's hilarious to me. Yeah. Uh, super smart, both of them. Great guys. Like you know, uh, enjoy their love their families and stuff. And they like have that. a podcast. And they have, and a, they podcast. have a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> together. <laughs> All right, we're gonna pause there for a quick word from our sponsors from Marriott Vacation Club. Marriott Vacation Club Rentals offers the best vacation accommodations in the world's best vacation destinations. Wherever you travel, Florida to Hawaii, Europe to California, choose to rest in our luxurious guest rooms, suites, or villas for your next getaway. Villas offer all of the comforts of home, including a full kitchen, living and dining area, and separate bedrooms. Stay with the Marriott name you know and trust. Book big spaces in great places today. Visit www.mvcrentals.com. Lee Feinswag, co-publisher and editor at VolleyballMag.com, joins us to break down the NCAA volleyball news. Well, I don't know if I'll get that specific, Travis. I first want to say how excited I am about what you and Try are doing with Sandcast, we're thrilled to be the host for what's really a good podcast. And I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I was kind of skeptical not being a beach volleyball guy and getting to hear it last week. It was fantastic, and I know it'll just get better and better. But back to the NCAA volleyball, man. It's the heat of the season. We're coming down the last few weeks of the regular season. Some of the mid-majors wrap up really soon and have their conference tournaments. And they're really exciting because a lot of leagues are – one bids. So no matter how well you did during the regular season, you've got to win that postseason tournament, a lot like March Madness in NCAA basketball. It's really exciting. And then in the Power Five conferences, there's a lot of leagues up for grabs, except for the Pac-12 where Stanford's running away with things. So our coverage every day at VolleyballMag.com on NCAA Volleyball is is really thorough, and we've got the daily roundup. We've got features. We've got our Volleyball mag mid-major poll, um, and on and on and on. That's pretty good shilling right there, don't you think? I'd say so. It's uh, it's given me the indoor education I've needed. We've been pretty opposite in terms of volleyball. Uh, I've I've only known about the beach. You've really only known about indoor, so we're kind of trading info. Well, I do have to tell you, after last summer, getting to World Series of Beach Volleyball, and one of the reasons why I picked that tournament was to meet so many people. And I just took time trying to meet players and visit with them. And then getting to cover the FIVB World Beach Championships in Vienna and doing the same thing and seeing the spectacle that it, that, that that was. And, man, that's a spectacle. 
Um, I have a great appreciation for the people involved in all the great stories. And so that's why I'm so thrilled about what you and Try are doing. You've had, you've been pretty fortunate. The events you've been able to see with beach, every event you've gone to has been one of the best beach events <laughs> you could possibly see. I don't know. The first one I covered was an AVP in new Orleans a couple of years ago. And I was afraid people were going to drown. So, you know, it's, you, you get lucky now and then this summer sure was good though. And I can't wait to see, uh, what the next season unfolds and Hey, the cool thing about beach is every time you turn around, somebody's got a new partner. There's a new drama. There's a new story and it's never going to be boring for you and try. No, never. And, uh, and, and try's got all kinds of good insights. So he's, he's gotten really comfortable behind the mic with spending the last year on, on the AVP live stream. Well, I appreciate you having me for this little segment and you guys get back to the uh, serious business at hand. <laughs> Always serious on the Sandcast. All right, I want to sort of backtrack a little bit. So 10 years ago, you were, I guess, leaving the Arizona Diamondbacks organization, right? Yeah, right about that. So, as, I mean, when we're growing up, like when we're kids, we're always told to have like our one, five, and 10-year plans. But when you look at how the 10 years have gone since you left professional baseball, could you have planned in <laughs> any way the way your life <laughs> has turned out? Uh, I've always said I'm much better at adapting than I am at planning because uh, there's 0% chance that I would have predicted that I would be playing beach volleyball and traveling the world doing it. Uh, you know, I, when I left baseball, it crushed me. That was my that was my one true love of a sport. Like, it was what I wanted to do with my life. And then all of a sudden, you know, it takes one day and you're not a baseball player anymore. And if that's who you built yourself as, you know, what's what? who are you and what are you doing? So uh, it was a really tough transition. And then for me to kind of come out the other side as this guy who gets to, you know, live in Southern California in a great apartment with uh, the girl, uh, this uh, girlfriend that I love and try, uh, play the sport that I really enjoy with a ton of free time. Like it's uh, it's pretty mind blowing and uh, I'm incredibly thankful to be able to do what I do. You have one of my favorite stories just in terms of just like how you've been able to transition. So like you said, like you grew up, baseball was, you know, like the love of your life growing up and you were always obviously very talented at it. You got a scholarship to Notre Dame. And now there was a headline. I remember when I first started doing research on you, I read an ESPN story. It was either when you were in high school or fresh out of high school. The ESPN did a feature. Do you remember the headline on that? Was it the bigger unit? The bigger unit. Yeah, yeah. It was so, uh, <laughs> me and my high school uh, jersey, which was a T-shirt, I believe. I mean, uh, you were compared to Randy Johnson, at a pretty young age. Yeah, I mean, I was pr- compared to him because we were both really tall guys. Like, it wasn't like, Something. oh, wow, this guy is the next Randy Johnson. It was, hey, this guy's just as tall, if not taller than Randy Johnson. Uh, cool side note, I got to meet Randy Johnson when I was in the Arizona Diamondbacks system. No he was there at the same time. Uh, fantastic guy. Like, you know, they arranged one of those same, like, tall guy photo ops. Like, oh, look at this minor league guy. Uh, but, you know, he was nothing but supportive, gave me some tips about what you should do as, like, one of the tall pitchers. Uh, you know, they've always said like, don't meet your heroes cause you're going to be let down. Couldn't have been more impressed by the guy. He even like signed some pictures for me. Like once I was, uh, involuntarily retired, uh, and just kind of sent him to my house as like a very cool gesture. So, uh, Randy Johnson's a class act all the way. That's, That's awesome. awesome. And, and then you, you left Notre Dame a year early, right? To mm-hmm. go professional. And then the Arizona Diamondbacks end up picking you up. I guess walk us through that journey. Cause I know that the grind of major league baseball is also brutal. Um, like we, we complain as volleyball players, but I mean, baseball is not a whole lot better. 
Right. You know, baseball can be pretty cutthroat, especially in the minor leagues. So, uh, you know, I would compare that to those guys in the qualifier who, you know, if you're a minor league baseball player, unless you signed with a big signing bonus, you didn't get a ton of money. Like you're just making enough money to barely pay your rent in kind of a small town somewhere in the Midwest or in the Northeast. And uh, you can, at the end of the year, you have enough money to where you can buy your plane ticket home and then work for the rest of the, you know, the other four months of the year. But uh, most of the time, you're just breaking even, you're away from your friends and family back home, and you play baseball, uh, usually seven days a week. Sometimes you get one off day, like, you know, maybe one or two a month. And you do that for seven straight months. If you come out ahead of all the other arms and all the other uh, bats that are in, in your organization, you could start to move up the ranks and play in uh, high A and then double A and then triple A. And, uh, you know, that whole struggle is really worth it if you make it to the major league level, because then you've got the greatest life anyone could ever imagine. You're, you're set for life financially. You're playing against the best in the world and you're treated like an absolute king everywhere you go. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's the definition of a high risk, high reward, but, uh, you really have to enjoy those little things and, uh, not be too concerned about creature comforts when you're on a 14 hour bus ride from Missoula, Montana to Yakima, Washington. <laughs> With the, uh, the Yakima bears? With the Yakima bears. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a bear for a whole season. I, and I mean, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm a very simple guy. Like I like to, you know, I, I'm not, uh, a creature comfort guy. So it wasn't that bad for me. Like I tended to be okay in the minor leagues, but uh, there was a lot of guys where it wasn't so much the skill that broke them. It was the, you know, being away from their friends and family uh, was just too tough and, and they got out of the game. And I know that one of the toughest decisions for professional athletes is when to throw in the towel. So when did you know that it was time to make the switch and start to figure out what do I do in life after baseball? Yeah, so uh, baseball, when you get cut in, in baseball, it's a pretty tough day. It's uh, Your stuff goes into a garbage bag that was in your locker, <laughs> and then uh, you get a note saying, oh, you, the manager wants to see you, and then uh, he tells you when your flight is, and, and you're done, and you're out of that organization. It's tough. It's, uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, I got my release. I ended up signing on with an independent league team, which is professional, but it's not affiliated with any major league ball club. So you can't work your way from independent ball straight up into a major league team. Like you can't go from independent to the Yankees. So the, the, the bottom is also the top. Right. You know, there's, there's leagues that are better than others. And I was at one of the kind of the lower end leagues. So you can technically move up to like higher independent league teams. But unless you catch on with a major league affiliate, you'll never play major league baseball. That's just the nature of the beast. So uh, I was, you know, finishing my season. Uh, I didn't, I was not able to catch on with anybody else, uh, any other big league affiliated club, which means that I didn't want to just keep playing independent league ball in small towns just to keep playing. Like my goal was to become a major leaguer. And if, if that's not going to happen, then I need to kind of transition, do something else. Uh, and that was when I just kind of, Ran away from home and lived on my buddy's couch in South Carolina and, uh, you know, went down to the beach every day. And all of a sudden there was a beach volleyball court and everybody was having fun really? on it. Yeah. And wow. it was uh, one of those things that we were getting crushed by high school kids <laughs> and, and the local DJ who was about 5'5". Five, five, and he couldn't keep track of the score. He would always be like, we scored three points and it was 5'5", five, five, so it's 9'5". We're like, that's not good math <laughs> at all. Uh, but... You know, so we were having just the absolute time of our lives, me and my me and my best friend Steve Johnson, 
Uh, and I decided, like, you know what? Like, this could be my new competitive outlet. This could be the thing that I really try to do that makes me happy and kind of is dynamic and gives me a chance to learn and, and stay active and stuff like that while I'm trying to figure out what the rest of my life looks like. Little did I know that that would be a big part of the rest of my life, and then I, they'd pay me to do it. You know, the AVP are just a bunch of suckers. I would do it for free. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, it kind of seems like you went, or you, a lot of your stuff you went through in the baseball system was like, you got your time in, in the qualifiers and all that in for volleyball, even just like having that mindset and like understanding it and being able to go through it. Like that must've had, you must have gotten a lot of knowledge and brought that over to volleyball and gotten you like that mental game kind of got you through the system real right. quick with volleyball. The, yeah. Cause the minor league baseball, it's 140 games in a minor league season. So you lose a lot. Like yeah. even if you're really good, you right. just, you lose, you know, I had, uh, you know, a month span where I, every time I went out, I got shelled and just given up rockets all over the field. That's a tough thing to kind of stay mentally where, you, where you're supposed to be when you're having a lot of tough points. And, like, you really can carry that over to beach volleyball. Like, you're going to have a string of, you know, tough tournaments, tough plays in a row, tough tournaments, tough month of this, uh, this season. And all yeah. of a sudden, you know, how do you come back from that? That's... Uh, you know, one of the beauties of sports, but it's also one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. And now when you moved here, did you give yourself like a timeline or anything of, I'm going to pursue beach volleyball for X amount of time. If it doesn't work out, I'm going to go back to Jersey, do whatever it may be. Or did you just say, I'm just coming and I'm going to see how it goes. Like you say, you're, you're not the best at planning. Yeah, I, I am not a planner. So, so the entirety of my plan was that I, I realized when I was back in New Jersey that the days I woke up and I was going to practice beach volleyball, like I, I had something set up, it was a Saturday and there was a tournament, those were the days I was really happy and I was looking forward to. And the other days, I'd wake up and I was kind of blah, you know, not, not super excited about life. So that was kind of a sign that I need to go someplace where I could play beach volleyball every day. If, if I'm enjoying it, then I'm enjoying it. Uh, so I did not plan anything at all. Uh, I saved up about five thousand dollars to you know make sure that I had about three months worth of food and rent and all that stuff, uh, and figured that would be enough time to land a job and you know start to make sure I'm set up there. Once I found a job at a pizza place and uh, I found a job giving some pitching lessons here and there. Uh, so then I could just, you know, do the pizza job or the pitching lessons every afternoon. I go down to the beach every morning. Uh, I wasn't making any money in beach volleyball. So there really wasn't anything other than let's see how good you can get. Just try to keep improving. Uh, and I would go down and shank passes every day <laughs> for, for five months at a time. And then all of a sudden I wouldn't shank in as many. And all of a sudden I, you know, was able to handset a little bit and then I could handset reasonably well. And then I could handset almost every pass. So, uh, it's one of those really slow, continuous, arduous processes that, I tend to really enjoy because it's you can't see any kind of improvement one day to the next, but you can see a big jump over the over two or three years. And I know that a lot of our listeners are in that double A, triple A kind of qualifier type. So I guess did you? How did you go about just getting better and getting in groups? First of all, kind of jumping in better groups because I know that you told me before that you would just kind of like hang out on the wall and then during breaks between games you would just hit jump serves and then somebody was like, "Hey, that really tall guy, he can bang a pretty good jumper." And I mean, you jumped in with Trambley and Gary Schreiber and Casey Patterson pretty early. Yes, uh, so I was pretty lucky to be told. Uh, 
when I first was moving out to California to aim for Huntington Beach rather than Hermosa and Manhattan. Like Hermosa and Manhattan have great volleyball players, but what they do is they set up their practices well in advance. Like I know I, I live in Hermosa Beach. I know exactly when and where I'm playing. And if somebody's just standing by the court, they're not going to be able to like work in with us. So it's just not how, how it works there. Where Huntington Beach, all the best beach volleyball players, especially when I was there, just uh, south side of the pier, about 9 a.m., that's when everything starts. And if you're not there, if the guy's missing, eh, you know, the guy, somebody else that's hanging around, they can hop in. Or if you've got six or eight guys, we can get uh, some kind of king of the beach thing going. Uh, so I was very lucky to kind of aim for Huntington. Uh, in terms of getting in with better groups, you just got to be there. Like I, I, when I first got down, was getting smoked by some pretty low-level guys just because I didn't have the ball control to do it. Uh, but I could be a decent blocker. So Jake Gibb would just say, uh, you need to come block against us for a half hour. We're working on something. Uh, and I was their blocking dummy. And, all right, hey, I want to you know block against a big hitter, uh, or a nice tall hitter. So I'm going to set you and you uh, – you just hit against Jake for a little bit. Okay, great. Like, you know, I couldn't play against those guys in the slightest, but at least then I could, you know, start to work with them, start to see how they improve, what they're trying to do at practice. And uh, again, like it's one of those those slow, steady progressions of you work in a group and all of a sudden you're winning games in that group. So you get invited to a slightly better group and then maybe a slightly better one. And then all of a sudden, if you're doing well against guys like Casey Patterson and Ty, Ty Trambley, they're going to take notice and you're going to have uh, a few more opportunities. And so I want to kind of work in sort of a, a tangible aspect here. So how do practices, how are practices different from when they were at the beginning when you were kind of that, at that lower level, shanking passes to where you are now? And, and try, I kind of want to ask you the same question. I just want to see, because I know a lot of guys always ask me, you know, how does Reed practice? Or, you know, right, how does right. Billy practice? So what do you guys, work us through your progressions and what you work on and, and how you do it. Um, well, first, yeah, uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm like opposite of Ryan, I feel like. I feel like everything that I learn and need to like come into practice with is like deep in me like my muscle memory I just grew up on a beach volleyball court so I just like need to listen to my instincts whereas Ryan like had the whole mental part of it and coming into beach volleyball and then he needed to bring his mental strong mental game which is like huge for pitchers and then teach his muscle memory to match that kind of thing so for me it's just about getting reps um and I like to like have a target, just like, I don't care how I do it necessarily. I wanna have a target and make sure the ball goes to the right spot. And then my kind of muscle memory just kicks in and I find ways to make it easier for myself. Um, so I like to just rep it out and get really simple reps. Um, just doing the really easy fundamentals, um, which I really liked, with th that's what I did. John and I did that a lot, where pre people would come to practice and try to like complicate it. And we're like, we just wanna like, get the super simple fundamentals down right now, just so our muscle memory is doing that basic step right. And then uh, the rest of your game kind of fills in around that. That's how I like to do it. I like to keep it simple and then and then uh, you switch once, once it's like, are we playing? Are we doing technique or practicing uh, ball control, whatever, our steps, our footwork, our arms, or are we playing? Because for me, that's a switch. Like if you tell me, okay, now we're playing a game I'm I'm forgetting about technique. I'm forgetting about everything, and I'm just 
worrying about the result. So you just build up the muscle memory and practice, and then once it's game time, yeah, you, you just teach, go and you let You teach it your over. body all the skills, give it all the skill set, and then let it go. That's, for me at least, it's like fully let the body go. Don't try to think your way through it. The training's done. Everything's done. Just go. Yeah, and I love having both you guys on here because you had such different paths in volleyball. Like you said, Tri, I mean, you grew up at Outrigger yeah. uh, playing your whole life. You've had that muscle memory. Ryan, I'm sure that you're still developing a fair amount of that muscle memory, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's some there's some mechanical things. Like, you know, my arm swing is not one of the better arm swings in uh, professional beach volleyball just because, you know, pitching, your arm slot is completely different than it was in beach volleyball. So that's just something I had to kind of unlearn after many, many years of throwing a baseball was how to hit a volleyball. Um, but I think try nail it on the head when he said, you know, keep it simple. And if I had advice for anybody who's just kind of starting out was – would be to just work on something very specific and work on it over and over and over again. Like that was, I think where I turned the corner was again, uh, I'm, you know, big guy, I can block decent. I can hit decent without ton, a ton of training, but I couldn't pass or set to start out, you know, in beach volleyball. So, uh, I just kind of figured, all right, what does that mean? I need to pass hundred balls a day when I'm, when I'm down in Huntington. If I do that five days a week, I've got 500 passes by the end of the week. If I do that for a month, that means I pass 2000 balls by the end of the month. If I do that for five months in the off season, I've passed 10,000 balls. There's no way you do something 10,000 times and you don't get a little bit better at it. Right. So that was my just kind of, all right, you know, if I go slow and steady, if I do a hundred balls today, I'll get to where I need to go, where I need to be. Uh, at some point, you know, and, and it's going to get frustrating. And I remember working for a month straight and then, you know, all right, I'm going to pass 10 and see how many I get. And I maybe pass two of them in the court. <laughs> and that's just the nature of the beast. You know, progress is not a smooth line. It's kind of jagged. And uh, I had, you know, some very, very tough, tough roads in there. But uh, if you're consistent with it, you know, you'll eventually break through that that plateau. How much of this did you include in, in your book, Avatar's Guide to Beach Volleyball? Oh, I mean, uh, I'm assuming you know, right? You, you've read it multiple times. Uh, <laughs> I read, <laughs> I did read your, your forward in it, and it was one of the funnier first couple pages I've ever read. You were just like, I'm shocked that you're still reading this book. It was like page two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, my, my sense of humor, I, I try not to take anything too seriously. So I, I wrote a book for the sole purpose of wanting to say that I'm an author. And uh, I put that as like the intro to the book. Like now that I'm an author, I don't really care if you guys like the book or not. Like, because it already counts. It's published. Uh, I like but, that. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I had book. a ton. Of, I had a ton of fun writing it, uh, and surprisingly, I, I've actually had some people like come up to me and like, "Oh, you know what? I really enjoyed it." So uh, that makes that makes it pretty worth it. I think you, you've got to be in a class of one of people who can say that they have pitched for the Arizona Diamondbacks in their in their system, who have played professional beach volleyball, and who are also an author and soon to be CFA. CFA. Right, right, yeah. I interned at a hedge fund, uh, prof- professional underwear <laughs> model. Uh, you know, oh, I was, yeah. I was a caddy at a world-class ca- golf course, bouncer at a bar, whatever, whatever you want to talk about. We, 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 <laughs> you know, that's, that's the whole point of life. you got to try Pizza stuff Pizza guy. Out. Pizza guy, Pizza guy, yeah, swam with sharks, skydived, all sorts of all uh, sorts of nonsense. I think Dos Equis had it wrong when they casted the other guy, <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. He had a way better beard. I've only got gray on one side of my beard. He's got the whole like grayed it's, out. It's coming in though. Last year when you were on the world tour, you had that thing rocking. 
Yeah, uh, I get a lot of uh, grief from the guys on the world tour because, like, you know, if I'm overseas <laughs> for five weeks in a row, I look absolutely homeless <laughs> by the yeah. end of it. I've, I've been on the road with Ryan for a few of those. It's, yeah, it's to, pretty grisly. To where the Dutch guys are like, do you want us to give you money or something? What are, you, <laughs> like, are you sleeping in a tent outside the event? What's happening here? Yeah, that's true. All right, we will pause one more time for a quick word with our sponsors. This is the Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. VolleyballMag.com is your daily digital news source for all things volleyball, from NCAA women and men to beach volleyball on all levels to international and more. VolleyballMag.com, the only media outlet that covers our sport on all fronts every day. Also, we got... Marriott Vacation Club Rentals offers the best vacation accommodations in the world's best vacation destinations. Wherever you are, Florida to the best place on earth, Hawaii, Europe to California, choose to rest in our luxurious guest rooms, suites, or villas for your next getaway. Villas offer all the comforts of your home, including a full kitchen, living and dining area, and separate bedrooms. Stay with the Marriott name you know and trust. Book big spaces and great places today. Visit www.mvcrentals.com. All right, time for some, some beach volleyball news. Isn't a whole lot happening on the beach, except the, the AVP did have its banquet, I believe it was, what, Friday night? Saturday. Saturday, Saturday night. Um, I didn't go um, because, you know, I haven't made a main draw. I didn't so. go. <laughs> I had a wedding. I, I felt really important that I got the invite, even though I didn't play this season, but had to miss it. Couldn't get on the mic this year. I heard Phil uh, took over the mic, though. How'd it go, Ryan? Phil pretty much cleaned up in terms of uh, player awards. Yeah, he uh, he got everything that he could win. I mean, I guess technically you could have got best defender since he uh, played defense in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he uh, he won all the awards. Uh, April won a ton of the awards on the women's side. Shocker. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, you know AVP always puts those on and they they really do it right. They try to take care of the players and, and give them a fun night. And uh, I've really enjoyed going to the last couple of them. Uh, so I was very happy to be there. Got to sit at the same table as Phil while he was just raking in his goodie bag. So yeah, it was a, it was a good time. How was it just like having? Was he just like moving your dinner aside? Be like, hey, can I put another plaque here instead? Uh, I mean, for me, I was asking him if he brought a wheelbarrow to bring all these like trophies home. Like, I, I don't know where he's going to put those in he's, his house. Phil's told me before that, like, I've asked him about the awards and stuff. He's like, yeah, we have like boxes in my garage and I just kind of throw them in there. Like he has boxes full of medals. Like you need like, a, you need like hundreds of medals to like fill up boxes. I have like five and I'm like all stoked they're up hanging up on my wall over there he like has a giant box and he's just like yeah i just kind of throw him in as every time i come back from a tournament he's uh he's above average yeah he's a rare animal that one uh but you know getting uh stafford slick and jake gibb on the mic they're always really funny when they when they give their little speeches uh stafford proposed that all of us continue to serve phil until he just gets so miserable that uh he quits <laughs> yeah. if he just gets every not a serve. bad strategy you no know, that was that that so i think that's the game plan uh, 2018 is every men's team is just going to serve phil every ball uh, not and to win, once, but just to yeah, piss him off. And once they win the first four tournaments, he's going to be exhausted. So. <laughs> I know that. So, like, we have the the standard awards of like MVP and, and Rookie of the Year, but there's there's like some some fun little superlatives 
that they give out, right? Oh yeah, yeah the uh, the Pokey Awards, and uh, nobody knows who the Pokey Awards committee is, except for the people <laughs> who. It's got to be Billy Allen. One hundred percent. No, yeah, yeah, I know exactly who the Pokey Awards oh, committee okay. is, but. Uh, yeah, so they come up with some really fun ones. Uh, like they had uh, the Beautiful Minds, the John Nash Award, whoever c- calculated uh, the most points <laughs> to keep themselves out of the qualifier. Uh, what was it? Um, oh, God. Uh, it was like the backpack or something like that, like the person who didn't bring anything. Oh, to, just luggage. Yeah, luggage, the luggage award. Yeah, it was the guy who did not do anything Your uh, to practice. Your partner Like not, didn't bring balls, didn't bring anything. Uh, they had the... Uh, who won that? Uh, I think that was Taylor Crab. Oh, a reigning two, champ. Two years in a row, yeah. yeah of, that's, uh, I guess the guy doesn't know how he to... He didn't listen to Hayden when Hayden <laughs> announced it the first year. He's like, Taylor, you don't want this award. <laughs> uh, he got it two years in a row, so yeah. congrats uh, to the bug. And, I mean, defensive. he got Defensive Player of the Year as okay. well and uh, a couple, couple titles this year. So, I mean, you can't be too disappointed in the kid, <laughs> but, I mean, god-awful mustache up there. Just really, really bad. <laughs> now, wait. We, before we talk more about the awards, how was the... Uh, and anyone drink a little too much this year? We had some nice speeches last year that got a little slurry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you I don't know, know if you want to name drop, but uh, I'm I'd not love gonna, it if you did. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> Jeff Alzina. He <laughs> 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 was, uh, yeah, there was a few people that were just kind of yelling from the back of the room. Always, uh, always a good time, though. I mean, that's that's half the fun of the banquet. No, that's it's, the best. It's yeah. who, 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 Gets a little too after ABP it. ABP tries to serve up as many cocktails <laughs> as possible just so we get extra entertaining on the mic. Better speeches. We're going to have to, uh, somebody's going to have to live stream those speeches next year. Yeah, well, ABP needs to step it up. Like, these need to be out already. These do not need to and, be out already. So we are, are this is a family business. This is, this <laughs> is for fun for all ages. I do not want people, fans, selfishly, people. I want to see it. <laughs> also, we should have fans be able to come to it, maybe, you know, like pay a, Pay to come and come to the banquet. Yeah, like that could be uh, cool. That's not a bad idea. Open it up, know, like make pay some for, money. Like, a seat with Phil. Like here, sorry, you can't eat dinner because Phil has to make room for his forty fifth MVP award. <laughs> yeah, but, you know you get to sit next to him. Or you just you know Rosie's Raiders, like seeing if they can turn it into an event. Yeah, uh, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised. Ooh, they, yeah. they always find a way to make anything <laughs> an event. Um, but yeah, I, I am. I, I agree with you. Try that. It should be out, and that we should know who won. I mean, yeah, the, the for ADP sure. The AVP hasn't really put I'm, anything uh, out. I feel on, like, like I, I don't really know. I basically, I basically worked for the AVP this year. I was at the staff party <laughs> at the end of the year, and I played on the tour for four years and have won some of these awards in the past. And I have no idea what happened at the banquet. And I'm like trying to figure it out. I don't know if that's on purpose or. Uh, just I something mean, we got to work on. If, I, if I'm there. giving them credit, I think that they did that last year where they kind of slow rolled it. They just like one after another. Uh, like one day they would put out who the ins- on Instagram who the defensive player right. was, who was this. They got uh, a different strategy. Again, uh, I'm not sure if that's their thing. I, I haven't been as uh, social media savvy as I, I used to be. So, uh, you know, I'm going to let them handle the marketing stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess most of the fans don't know that the banquet happened, so they're not like sitting back like, so who won? Right, right, right. <laughs> Are you going right. to tell us? And, and I guess it wasn't really like an MVP race where you didn't know who was going to win MVP, you know, between like James Harden and Westbrook. Like, I yeah. think we all had an idea that might have been Phillip. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did Phil win? Yes. Phil, <laughs> Phil won everything. Everything. So he won okay. That. Uh, it's funny, though. He won best offensive player again when he doesn't get served. Trevor was He's so a, pissed. <laughs> he got best it's offensive. because he has best hitting percentage all the time. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, even on two, he was pretty yeah, lights out all true. year. What I'm wondering, though, is, like, say you name Trevor best offensive player, which Trevor's really, like, he gets served a lot, and he sides out at a pretty crazy clip. But, like, 
Phil is the best offensive player. So are we going over like who is objectively the best or who has to be? Yeah, the best? that's that's I think tricky that's kind to of me. Two different, and at some awards. point you kind of just get over Phil winning it. It's like, okay, who's the next best at that? Because Phil's obviously even if he only plays in two events, but is he hits like friggin' six hundred, then technically Phil's still the best offensive player. But do we want to vote for him and give him the award? I don't know. He doesn't really want it. <laughs> and now there's other people that really want it. <laughs> it's just going to wind up in a box in his garage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, players vote for it, though. So it, it's whatever actually, comes yeah, out is was, usually the right thing. I was curious. I didn't even know how it was done. So players do vote? Yeah. Player, AVP sends out a uh, survey. Trevor's campaigning. Trevor's texting me while I'm <laughs> filling out my survey. <laughs> like, there was uh, Trevor made a pretty uh, funny speech as well as uh, you know he got some guff for a whole bunch of second place jokes. Oh yeah. So yeah, course. I mean uh, you know really is a, a night of good fun. Like I think everybody <laughs> goes into it with their eyes wide open and really enjoys it. That's good. I, I like that the beach volleyball community is is pretty tight knit. Like there are rivalries, but you can still have that night of just like good fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, Trevor's kind of played the villain this whole year as uh, the AVP bad guy, but, you know, he's he's a great volleyball player. He's a good guy from I, – I don't know him as well as uh, Tribal does, but, uh, yeah, he's always come across as a good guy to me. And, uh, you know, he just he just likes to kind of stir the pot a little bit. And, uh, if anything, I think that kind of helps our sport. Yeah, I love it. Now, I love what Jake Gibbs said after – I think it was – Hermosa, when Trevor was really ratcheting up the trash talk, he said, everybody doesn't have to like everybody because it's a good thing that there's some rivalries going. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's probably before my time, but I've, I understand the old school. They, the guys were brutal. Like they, yeah. it, was, it was a lot worse than it was today. Uh, I mean, for me, I, I'm even keel. I can't picture too many people that despise me or love me one way or the other. I'm just kind of, I stay my course. But yeah, you know, getting uh, getting a little bit more rowdy every once in a while, like, that's great. You know, it's part of our sport. Like, you know, we're not tennis or golf where you have to kind of sit and be quiet. We're a sport where you can come and get loud and, and get into it. So uh, yeah, the more the merrier. Yeah, we can have some fun. And now we have uh, our last segment of the day, the, the fan questions. We've covered some of these a little bit, but I'll, I'll ask him just to see if you have any different uh, takes on it. Now, one of my favorites is from Gary Schreiber, who was one of the first people I met uh, when I moved. And I, you knew him pretty early when you moved, right? Yes, I did. He was one of the first people I met while I was out here. I think it was uh, my nickname, Avatar, came from him and Ty Trambley talking when they were in Huntington. And saying, uh, who brought the avatar down here? Because nobody knew my name. I was just some big tall guy who was wandering around on the courts. Uh, so, yeah, I've known, I've known Gary quite a while. He tried to get Joe Dirt to stick for me because when I moved here, I moved from Florida. And I had a pretty thick <laughs> southern accent. And so he tried to get Joe Dirt to stick, but uh, didn't, didn't take. Hey, life's a garden, man. <laughs> Dig it. So from Gary, he wants to know, who was your partner when you won your first AVP match? That would be the, the man, the myth, the legend, Gary Schreiber. Coach to Ty Trambley, but me and him, that was, uh, that was our first win on the AVP in the qualifier. We played uh, some fellow Jersey guys, John Rose and uh, Leon, and we snuck it out in three. <laughs> we celebrated like madmen, and then I think we got crushed by Topple in the second round of the qualifier. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was, uh, it was still a good win, and uh, I hope Gary's listening and enjoying this down in Belize and living the dream down there. Yeah, yeah I'm going to need to join you, Gary. Give me a call. Uh, <laughs> not doing much these days. <laughs> it look, I mean, from all the Facebook action, it looks like he's having a good old time down there. Oh, it's gorgeous. Looks like paradise. 
And now we have uh, Jim McNamee. So it was kind of a, a winding roundabout question about pulling. So this is kind of actually I want to. So you guys are two different, very different sized blockers. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that your decision making when it comes to pulling is probably a little bit different. But sort of what he was asking is, like, how do you measure the efficiency of your pulling, and when do you look to pull? So I guess like if you pull say five times and you get two digs, did you like was that successful? That's bad, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, like yeah. if they're getting the kill on you, <laughs> that's not good. Right. I, I mean, I think it's going to depend on who you are. Like, you know, Try just said, like, you know, two out of five, you know, as athletic and as good as his hands, as Try is, he's going to get most of those balls up if, if he's pulling because that means the set's not tight enough to where the guy's taking a real good swing at it. Uh, and he's going to be able to make digs back there. You know, he's just as quick as most defenders. You know, me being a big lumbering dinosaur out there who needs, like, the brain in the middle of his back because it's just too much time to, uh, <laughs> to get stuff to move down to my feet. You know, if I, you know, if I pull, that usually means the set's either really bad or, uh, you know, I made a bad decision. So if I get two out of five, that's probably a decent percentage from where I'm at right now if I'm being very realistic. Uh, obviously, I'd like those numbers to be a little bit higher, but you also have to think, like, if you stay up and block and you block two out of five balls, that's pretty good. You know, like, the, you're going you're gonna to transition uh, and get a bunch of points out of that. Uh, so two out of five isn't the worst thing in the world for me, but, uh, you know, if I, was, uh, if I was a little bit more nimble, I would want to up that percentage. Right. And well, you got to think too, like if I'm Ryan, I'm going to probably stay at the net and yeah, go, go ahead and hit a high line over me. My partner's probably like, if the ball comes off the net and you're going to hit a high line over Ryan, your defender's going to run that high line down nine out of 10 times. Probably you try to hit a high line over me. You have about at least six inches lower that you can hit that trajectory and it can get it down to the sand faster. So for me, I'm probably going to drop. If you if you drop off if the set drops off the net for you because I think I can go past it for Ryan he's gonna probably stay up at the net Actually, much more I'm, often. I'm curious too because you both played with Hayden and so I know that kind of your decision to pull depends on what your defender likes too. So trial was he more like pulling friendly for you and that like was he encouraging you to stay at the net a little bit more? You know I can't compare that to try because I don't know how much he was uh, you know wanting try to pull. But uh, we worked a lot on, you know, trying to get my hands a little bit better. Uh, and there was some parts during the year where I would pull and I'd be able to make a good, uh, you know, hand dig and keep that ball uh, alive. Uh, and that was probably due to all the reps we had throughout the season. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure there were definitely some balls where he wanted me to pull and I didn't or he uh, didn't want me to pull and I did. So, uh, you know, it's one of those you just kind of have to take take the good with the bad. And sometimes a bad decision is just, all right, the guy's going to thump the ball, move on to the next play. Right. Yeah, for me, it's it just very situational with us. Very like he'd be yelling at me sometimes and I'd be like already about to do it but then he starts yelling and I'm like damn it I'm already doing it like (laughs) like, I'm like about to take that huge step off he's like drop I'm like I am don't don't act like you're telling me I already know I'm doing it (laughs) I'm doing it because I want to do it (laughs) Um, yeah but it's all situational and you want to be in rhythm your defender wants to know when you're going to drop because he wants to make a move as well based on that with Ryan it looked more like he was gonna use Ryan's size a lot to me, it looked like John was staying a little more neutral this season and then kind of popping out where he wanted to around Ryan rather than me and him who were, were like 
dodging back and forth where I'm making big long moves and he's faking. It was, it was a lot more, seemed like a lot more work for both of us rather right. than them this year where John didn't have to make as many fakes and he kind of just waited and made reads around Ryan. Right. You guys were very good at kind of a cat and mouse. Yeah, we're know, showing and taking. Getting real low on the block and then kind of taking an area yeah. away where I'm not hiding from anyone blocking. <laughs> like they, they, they see me a mile. So uh, I might as well just kind of embrace that and just get up and big, be as big as I can. Yeah. We'll do, we'll have time for two more fan questions here. We'll do this one from JB Southpaw from Volley Talk. At this point, with Olympics being a realistic goal, is Billy who you expect to make an Olympic run with, and did that factor into your partnership decision? Uh, so for me, the Olympics has never been a goal. Uh, I am not a guy who, uh, if I don't make it to the Olympics, that means my volleyball career was not what I wanted it to be. Uh, personally, I would like to see the Olympics become a little bit less important for beach volleyball because that means that the professional tournaments that we have here in America start to matter a little bit more. Uh, if we put a little bit more priority or seniority into Manhattan Beach and championships or New York, then all of a sudden, you know, qualifying for one tournament in the Olympics, while a great honor, and uh, if I did qualify and represent the uh, United States in the Olympic Games in Tokyo, uh, I would be thrilled to do it. But uh, I think, you know, if we want to grow this sport at a professional level in America, we really need to take pride in who's winning our big yeah. domestic tournaments every year. I definitely agree that it sucks that Olympics is our biggest one. Like we'd like to have like an NBA championship every year, right? We have our championship is every four years. The only thing that can like have a really significant impact on your career to where you're like writing your name in history is the Olympics. And we have it once every four years, one team gets to win it in the whole world. So that kind of sucks. But for me, like I'm actually opposite of Ryan, like Olympics is like the sickest event in the world for me. That is probably my best goal, but just because like how I grew up, like very sports oriented family, we watched the Olympics every year. But I would I would like it to be there's something every year for us to be like a championship that if you won that, you're the champion for like a year. Like I don't know, get a ring or something like something cool, right? I could be the best team in the world. Like Phil and Nick are basically the best team in the world right now. Who knows that? Like, do you think I mean, that what did they what did they get? Do you think Manhattan? <clears throat> kind of has that level that you're talking about. So you said, you know, yeah, give Manhattan because you get your name on the pier. That's flat, about yeah. it. Yeah, that's like the next coolest thing, really, for us. And then world champs, you get to say you're world champ every two years if you win that. But I don't know, getting your name on the pier is like the next best thing. Yeah, and I think that if we slowly start to change that story in you know the beach volleyball community yeah. to where we really take pride in Manhattan and like we really like that's our big event, right? Or you know championships in Chicago has always been a good one. New York is a huge event. If we start to look at those as that's our big season rather than a, an event that all of our American players have to qualify for overseas over the course of two years. Then they play in one tournament where if things go well, they, they win it. You know, and they you can, can qualify and not get to go like me and John. <laughs> right. You know, one of the, one of the top-ranked teams in the world. Or, you know, Nick and Phil were one of the best teams in the world. They played Bruno and Alisson in crazy wins, and they're out with a fifth. Does that mean that they didn't have a fantastic season in 2016? Of course not. And then they were, again, one of the best teams in the world last year. Uh, if we shift that towards, you know, taking pride in our American events, the professional events that we're putting on every year and that our fans are getting to experience, I think, uh, you know, I think that helps long term uh, with the growth of our sport. Yeah, I got to agree with that for sure. We all need to figure out a way to and the Gold Series is a good start, right? More uh, points, more money for those three major city events for the AVP. So it's a good start. 
Yeah, I, I do like that we have those those heightened levels of events. And I think, too, one of the biggest problems with the Olympics is that no one... I don't think your casual Summer Olympics fans understands how you qualify for the Olympics. I mean, no. I didn't even know until I was keeping up with the points race with you and John and Jake and Casey, and I was like, oh, I literally had no idea this is how it worked. And I've been yeah. watching the Olympics since I was, you know, four or five years old. Yeah. We'll do one more uh, fan question, and then we'll let you go here, Ryan. Uh, this will be from Guest 2 from Volley Talk. Did you ever consider Reed Pretty as a partner? Other than Billy, who do you see as the best fit for you? What other player from any country do you see yourself most similar to? Ooh. Kind of a, a, that's, a a whole, that's like four different right. questions. It's like a novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll try the first part first. So Reed Pretty, fantastic volleyball player. Uh, he has been very open about what he wants us to qualify for the Olympics. Like he's, he's trying to hack the beach. More power to him. I think that's fantastic. I think with my goals of... You know, I want to have a good season. I want to make as much money as possible. If I do get to qualify for the Olympics, to me, that's an honor that is kind of bestowed upon you rather than a goal that you push for. Uh, so that means that this next year won't be about trying to get to as many international events as possible and trying to keep my points in a good spot so that I can possibly start qualifying for the Olympics in the following year. Uh, this year is about trying to compete at the highest level I can, get better with my partner, those types of things. So I think that's why me and Reed probably wouldn't have been a good fit. I think he needs a guy who is 100% committed to, we want to get to the Olympics. That's the whole goal. Uh, so uh, me and Billy a little bit more on the mindset of let's put the best season we have together. Like let's compete against the best teams we can and see how things go. And if we're one of the top teams in America by the end of the year, then yeah, we're, we're going to go for it. We're going to push. But you know, if, if we come up short because we played in some AVPs rather than some uh, three stars in international, that's not going to be the end of the world for me. And I don't remember what the rest of the questions the, were. The, the, <laughs> the last one is, is there an international player that you see, or, or American, that you see as similar to yourself? Ooh, similar to myself. Uh, there was a Russian guy, Semenov, who was a big... I mean, like, obviously, you look at other seven-footers. And you have, like, yeah. a small pool. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's not too many guys. Uh, Semenov, probably a little bit better with the arm swing, uh, and he played the right side. Uh, really good guy though. Like, uh, you know, there's a couple of Dutch guys that are absolute trees, but again, they, they jump real high and have great arm swings. Uh, so probably Sarah Pavin would be the player that's closest <laughs> to me. Yeah. She's, she's definitely the female Ryan Darty, except she's doing a little bit better on the world tour right now. But she hasn't played professional bas- baseball. Not yet. She hasn't written a play Not indoor, yet. indoor volleyball. Yeah. So, indoor. Uh, she had a fantastic season. Her and our partner, Melissa, just absolutely uh, lit the world on fire this, whole, this past year. And uh, we're lucky to have her on the AVP. And I think it says something, too, about the strength of the American Tour and that Sarah Pavin didn't make it out of a few qualifiers. Yeah. And, uh, and like, as she was uh, meddling in World Tour events, you know, uh, and a lot of that was, you know, having to work with a different partner, like kind of the, you know, the friction that we were talking about right. earlier where, you know, you just, you don't know what to expect out of them. She's but a fiery th- one, too. Like, her relationship with her last partner was a... Uh... Yes. Kind of a disaster. Yes. Yeah. She's, <laughs> you know, uh, like she's the anti-Billy Allen. No, 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 I wouldn't say the exact opposite. But yeah, she's she's very, very determined. She works very, very hard. But that means that she can be a little bit intense. So I think some of her partners might have a tough time with that. I think, uh, you know, winning solves a lot of that. So her and her yeah, partner, sure. Melissa, uh, the you know Canadian team that did so well this year, they're going to be just fine going forward as long as they keep yeah. taking down those medals. 
Now, Ryan, is there, is there anything else you want to add? Anything you want to talk about? Any questions we should have asked? No, I'm just excited that uh, we already have four fans. Uh, you know, four fan questions. That's a pretty big deal. I only, yeah. I only know three of those people personally, so that's, <laughs> that's pretty exciting. How many of them did you text? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually guest too, so I was <laughs> the one who asked the random <laughs> question. Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm happy you guys are doing this. Like, uh, Travis, I've enjoyed your uh, writing for a while now, and uh, try, I, was, I was telling you earlier that how much I, I liked you kind of doing commentating on the beach. So uh, I think that this is a great next step. And uh, if fans dig it, then uh, I'm happy to help or come by whenever you want. Yeah, it's been Shoots. it's been fun. Um, so for those of you guys who, who returned after episode one, then welcome back. Thanks for joining again. For those of you who are new, you can catch our last episode with our very own host, Triborn, uh, on oh, iTunes, yeah. Stitcher, Google Play, Volleyball Mag, just wherever you can get audio. That's where we are. So if you like us, feel free to give us a, a nice, kind review on iTunes. And if not, then I apologize. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and whatever. And we, will, uh, we will catch you guys next week on Sandcast. <laughs>